Good morning. Luke chapter 10 is where we're at this morning. Luke chapter 10. Yes, this morning, as we're turning to Luke chapter 10, I want to say one more time, welcome, we're glad you're here. I am amazed, I think we all are amazed at all of the snowbirds that God just keeps sending down from up north. I mean, we have Alaska, Missouri, I mean, many more, just every week, it's incredible. And, you know, sometimes it's just one Sunday, sometimes they're here for two months, but um I just, it's like God just sends these people and they're filled with, uh, for me at least, I know in a lot of our church, it's like they're filled with spiritual Gatorade. It's like they're just a shot in the arm of, of Jesus juice. And, and we're just so grateful that God sends all these folks to come and worship with us. But Luke chapter 10, verse 25 is where we're at this morning. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Luke chapter 10. We're going to read verses 25 through 37. Tell you what, we'll, we're going to just read that first paragraph, verse 25 through 28, and then we're going to go back and go a verse at a time, okay? Verse 25, let's all stand in honor of reading God's Word if you're physically able this morning. Verse 25, chapter 10, book of Luke. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Let's pray. Father, we are your people, gathered in your name. And God, many of us are here, desperately needing a word from you. And so God, you know that, and you desire to speak to your sheep, and we pray that you would, God, help us to hear this morning what the Spirit says. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Here in verse 25, you see that a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. Now, that tells us a little bit about his level of intelligence right there. He's putting Jesus to the test. Not a good idea. Nevertheless, he says, behold, a lawyer stood up. Now, the word there for lawyer is namakos. It means expert of the law. Literally, it means lawyer. Mark sometimes used... A different word when lawyers tested Jesus. He used the word grammatus, which means a teacher of the law. There's a difference between a teacher of the law, somebody that actually wants to teach uh, the law, and someone that's an expert. By the way, we have a lot of namakos in Washington who do not seem to know what they are doing. But this expert was trying to trick the Lord. And, and look at the question. He says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he was trying to trick the Lord. He was trying to make Jesus say something that would add to the law, which was the Old Testament for them. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? And Jesus, what does He say? He answers it with a question. What is written in the law? 
How do you read it? In other words, Jesus says, what's the Bible say? And what do you think the Bible is saying about this topic? You see, Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. And so this lawyer answered, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He was quoting Deuteronomy. And so Jesus says, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. Well then, in verse 29, notice the language. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem. Now, pause. He's about to share the story, very familiar for many of us, of the Good Samaritan. And so this man, verse 29, the language there, it says he's trying to justify himself. In other words, he's not sincere. He's asking these questions more about trying to justify himself and help himself feel better than he is seeking gospel truth. He was a negative person. He's being sarcastic. And as you see this, it just some people have the gift of discouragement. And this guy obviously did. And so if this man would have been honest with himself, he had Jesus there, right? I mean, what an opportunity. He could have said, hey Jesus, I have a valid question. I have been trying to keep the law my entire life, and I cannot do it. And he would have heard the gospel had he asked that question. Like, what, is there something more? And Jesus would have said, yes, that's why I'm here. Galatians chapter 5, verse 4 says, You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. So, what this man asked really in a sarcastic tone, I believe this morning is a valid question for us to ask today. This man was trying to prove Jesus wrong. And Jesus shared him this, with him this great story. And he says, Jerusalem. Look at, look at what happens. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now why would you go down from Jerusalem? Any Bible scholars in the house? Because Jerusalem sits on top of a mountain 2,500 feet above sea level. The flood insurance is a great price. And so if you were leaving Jerusalem, you were going always going down, no matter what direction you went. And if you were going to Jerusalem, you were going up. So many times in the Bible it says going down from Jerusalem, or if you're going to Jerusalem, it will say going up to Jerusalem. And so, look what happens. A man's going down, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, Jericho, 17 miles from Jerusalem, about an 8 to 10 hour walk from home. What happened? What does the Scripture say happened? He was robbed. He was beat up. These robbers took everything that had value on this man. He became worthless. They left him for dead. Who is my neighbor? You know, as I was seeking Scripture about this Sunday, this special Sunday, Sanctity of Life, of Human Life Sunday, which, by the way, falls on the anniversary of 1973, the court decision, Supreme Court, the decision Roe versus Wade. In 1984, President Ronald Reagan 
declared the Sunday closest to the anniversary of Roe vs. Wade as Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. So that's what this is all about. And to be honest with you, I hate it. And you should too. It's a shame that we have to have Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And I look forward to a day when we don't have to have it anymore. And God can do it. But as I was seeking, Lord, how in the world am I going to do an expository sermon and tie all this in together? And as I was searching the Scripture, and I was reading through the parable of the Good Samaritan, I noticed some parallels. See if you see it. A man who was innocent, not bothering anyone, suffered because it was more convenient for the robbers to steal than for them to work. Life was unfair to the robbers, probably. So what did they do? They robbed this man. The robbers were probably poor, possibly, and they couldn't afford to live, so they took the life of another, or they were going to. They, they left him for dead. Or the robbers could have lived a life, a lifestyle beyond their means, maybe. And they wanted more. And, and so they made bad decisions. And these bad decisions, you hear the parallels? These bad decisions infringed on this certain man's rights. They took his life. They took his welfare. And if it had not been for somebody interfering, he would have died. This good Samaritan, in this story, in this parable that Jesus is teaching, he would have, had, he would have been gone. He would have died there on the roadside. Now this is a fictional story that Jesus is sharing to illustrate some truths. So this morning, we are pro-women. And we are pro-choice for women until that choice risks the life of another person. We're all for men having choices until their choices threaten the life of another person. And look at what happens. Verse 31. Who comes by at first? A priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, we could have a fun debate about why did the priest do that. Was he a descendant of Aaron, and it would have made him unclean to perform his duties in the temple, or, or maybe he was afraid of also being robbed. Or, you know, there's all kind of different scenarios. We don't specifically know, but we don't need to get caught up in the why. Why didn't the priest stop? Because it's really irrelevant to this story. He's a fictional character made up by Jesus to teach a truth. The point is that he passed by. And what did he represent? We'll get to that in a second. And then look what happens verse 32. So likewise, a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. You see how classy the Lord is? How gracious He is? They passed by. I would have said they left Him for dead. But the Lord, He's... There was nobody like Jesus when He talked. And they left this guy for dead. Dean Brown, a professor from Yale University way back in the day, he said there's three philosophies in life in this story. Number one, there's the robbers. What you have is mine. Their, their philosophy in life is what, what you have is mine. 
it would be socialism or communism today. Another philosophy of life is the priest and the Levite. This philosophy, what I have is mine. Extreme individualism. I intend to get mine. Know what I'm saying? And I don't care who I have to run over to get it. It's godless capitalism. And then a third philosophy in life is the Good Samaritan. The idea that what I have is yours. Or better yet, what I have is the Lord's. What I have is the Lord's. This is Christian philosophy. If I can help you, I will. Famous preacher, J. Vernon McGee. He ties, he, he really digs down into the symbolism here. And what I believe that Jesus was trying to teach is that mankind left God's city for a dead city. It's the gospel that, that we turned against God. We rebelled against the Lord in the garden. We wanted our way over the Lord's way. And so we fell among thieves. We fell among the enemy who comes to kill. The devil. Kill, steal, and to destroy. And then certain priests, they represent ritualism and ceremonialism. They came by, but they cannot save you. And all of us are the certain man that got beat up. We are that man that was in trouble and helpless, couldn't save ourselves. And then the Levite came by and he represents legalism. The Levite came by and the certain man realized that he couldn't save him. And then there's the Good Samaritan who represents in this story Jesus Christ. Religion couldn't help a man. The, the expert of the law couldn't help a man. The priest couldn't pay for a man's sin. But Jesus came. He came along. He picked us up. He cleaned us up. Cleaned up our wounds and He took us somewhere that we could not get on our own. Amen? And He paid a price that we could never have paid. So this morning, if you are a believer, you understand that. Who is my neighbor? The who didn't really matter to the Lord. The valid question that's worth asking today, but He gave us this example that the who is everybody, is everyone. You see, the Lord sees that we all have one color running through our veins. He sees that every life is precious. His thoughts are higher than ours. And that's what this Sunday is about. Because of who our Father is this morning, and because of how He thinks, and because of how He acts, we as Christians should value all human life, and we should fight for it in every arena. And for many of us, it's uncomfortable to talk about, think about. But biblical, biblical Christianity does not turn a blind eye. Did you know that this morning, today, there are more slaves on the earth than any time in the world's history? Sex trafficking is a large part of that. It's here. It's here on the Gulf Coast. Believers must do something about it. You know that believers should fight for the elderly when the government health care comes along and says that 
we don't want to spend money on our eldest citizens anymore because they cannot work. We should fight. We should fight for those that are handicapped and fight for them to have the right to the pursuit of happiness. We should always speak up for a minority. For anyone that's marginalized because of race or even religion. This is biblical Christianity. We value people because they are created in God's image. Who is, our, who is my neighbor? I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that, that gets that. We have a group of people in our church. They don't do it for pats on the back, but they go every Thursday to Dunbar Village to hang out with the residents, to sing them songs. One of our members, Ronnie Good and Zach Cooper, pastor at Old Spanish Trail, faithfully lead a ministry week in and week out called Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery. And by the way, many of those moms are trying to get their children out of the foster care system because it's actually their children. It's the, these families, it's their fault that they, they had to give up their children because of bad decisions in their life. And many of these moms are trying to get their kids back and get back on their feet. And many of them would come to celebrate recovery, but there's not any child care. And they're trying to meet certain requirements that the courts lay out for them to be responsible. And so how awesome is it that Ronnie, Zach, faithfully pointing those people to Christ, helping them, Recover through the power of the name of Jesus. So this morning, if, if something's going off inside of you, I want you to see, see Ronnie. He's in the sound booth right now, but uh, he's, he's a lot of places. And um, encourage this brother. If you have time to help take care of kiddos, see Ronnie about that. This past Wednesday, when we had bad weather, now I know the snowbirds, I know you guys are thinking... What are you talking about? But hey, it's different on the coast. But we had some bad weather, but backpack buddies, backpacks still have to be packed. And so we had a few faithful heroes that came. Why? Because we value life in every arena. One major reason we have a security team at our church is to help protect our children. To be in a, a deterrent against any threat. And by the way, if you mess with a child in our church, we will hunt you and track you down and prosecute you and take you out. I'm being serious. Orphan care ministry that our church just started a few months ago over this past year. We have many... Members that are trying to be certified to be foster families have many more that feel just called to be a part of encouraging those families, being part of facilitating. We have a resource closet we're getting together upstairs in the education building. By the way, if you'd like to bring something by, it's just for foster care families. That really on the Gulf Coast, I mean, they only have to be at our church. If they need something, help take care of children, we want to help them. Our association has started multi-level, multi-housing ministry. The Baptist Association that we're a part of, and they are looking for a representative for Hancock County, someone specifically from our church. And so if your heart, something's going off on, inside of you, 
Come talk to me afterwards. I'd love to send you to represent all of us when it comes to doing multi-level housing ministries. Many of our members every day are fighting and defending life through their Christian life. They don't do it pat on the back. But they do it because that's what Christians do. Now, a little history lesson. Our founding fathers understood and respected this idea. Listen to these words from the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government. Do you hear that? Listen to the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. It's almost like the founding fathers who were believers, there was a lot of them from many different denominational backgrounds. It's like they, and then some of them, a few of them were not believers, they were not Christians. But it's almost like they shook hands. And they said, tell you what, let's make a deal. Let's agree on certain rights for all the people. That life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness should be available for everyone. Now, America, those words sound great, and they're true. But America has not always done so well in applying those truths to the rights of all people. The dear state that I love and adore, the great state of Mississippi, has an ugly and embarrassing past when it comes to civil rights. By the way, I think that means that we're ripe for being part of the greatest modern missions movement in American history. Why? Because the Lord has a history of raising up people from unsuspecting places. There's been many injustices in American history. Some have even caused wars among us. Some have caused wars overseas. But America has always risen to the occasion, no matter how delayed it may have been. Maybe more than any nation in the history of the planet, America has fought, and tried to stand for life and for liberty. And now is the time for us today to align ourselves with common sense, and it's time for us to end abortion once and for all. Verse 33, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the attorney said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Senator James Lankford from Oklahoma 
said this week, there are only four countries that allow elective abortion after 25 weeks. China, North Korea, Vietnam, and the United States. That should disturb us. Out of every nation on the planet, I mean, the Olympics are coming up. You're going to see all those nations. There's only four. That's not good. This is the greatest black mark on our nation. It is the most urgent situation in government. It is the most ur- should be the most urgent situation even in the church. It should be more important than a government shutdown. In fact, we should shut down the government until they pass a law making it illegal to have an abortion. Blood is on the hands of the U.S. congressman in Washington from 1973 until now. Why is this still going on? Republicans, Democrats, Independents, whoever's up there, this should be the number one priority. Church, blood's on our hands for being apathetic and indifferent to abortion. The Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. Part of our tithe goes to support this ministry of a group of Christian men and women who are serving in Washington, D.C. every day on behalf of Southern Baptist churches. And they led this past weekend, Evangelicals for Life, March for Life. I spoke with a college student last night, one of my, our former students, that he was there. 600,000 people, believers, peaceful, common sense protests. And many of those 600,000 were college students. So the Lord is stirring. Like, God's doing something. The question is, this morning, is He stirring in you? And if so, I want to encourage you to pray. Pray. It's the greatest thing that we can do. I'd like you to turn to Psalm 139 as we get ready to close. Psalm 139. The Lord put chapters in the Bible like this because He knew we would mess things up. Psalm 139. We're going to read verses 13 through 18. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18. As you hear this scripture, maybe the Lord will do something. Psalm 139, verse 13 For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. By the way, that was great timing with the baby. Thank you. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. This morning, who is my neighbor? 
Who is your neighbor? Every person is made in God's image. The Lord cares. Do you? As we get ready to have a response. Once again, I'd like us to pray that the United States will end abortion in every form very soon. And by the way, the reason that we have so many people from Hancock County that are pursuing abortions is because they're lost and lonely and hurting and afraid. And they're probably not plugged into a church. They probably don't have many Christian friends. And many, many people from Hancock County go to New Orleans or go to Mobile if you go to Jackson. And I wonder, simply by us reaching out to our community, by us sharing the gospel, by us having gospel conversations, by us being in tune with the Lord every day at work, by introducing somebody to Jesus and discipling them, how many abortions will that prevent? So pray. And this morning, if you have ever had an abortion, I want you to know that Jesus already paid for that decision on the cross. This morning, He wants to forgive you if you've never asked Him to forgive you for that. And not only does He want to forgive you, but He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He wants to make you whole. And that precious baby that's in heaven, and I believe that that baby is in heaven. I have a few different verses. We can talk about it later and have some debate. But David, the book of Samuel, first second Samuel, his, he had a baby, and the baby was in bad shape. And what did David do? He prayed and sackcloth and ashes. And then the baby, the baby passed away. And what did David do? He got up. And everybody's like, well, why are you going to stop praying now? David simply said, someday I'll go to him. I'll see him again. So it's not going to do a lot of good to sit here and pray for him because he's with the Lord. Maybe this morning you realize you do not have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe self has been on the throne. And today the Lord is convicting you, drawing you to Himself. This morning you can believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved. I'd like us to close our eyes and no distractions. Last thing I want to say before we have invitation. Maybe you haven't heard this in a long time. Jesus loves you. Do you know that this morning? Jesus loves you in spite of it all, in spite of whatever mess you have going on in your life. He came to rescue us, to redeem us, to make us righteous. Jesus died on the cross. He gave His life for you, for every person on the earth. And then He rose from the grave three days later. He defeated death. And He stands victorious today at the right hand of the Father. 
And He wants you to be victorious in Christ. But that does not come from your own effort, your own strength. It comes from surrender. And as we have a moment of invitation, the altar is open if you'd like to pray. The altar is open if you'd like to grab one of these little baby bottles to see how you can be a part of helping stand up for those who have no voice.